kingdom gives significance to every person on the planet. Kingdom living gives significance to everyday life, life, life. We need big thinkers to stay big, but we need to be involved in the kingdom stuff. You've got to find significance in that, and the kingdom gives you significance. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you very much for having me during this time, and um, the guy that just introduced me, Andrizie, he's actually my pastor. Yeah, he is. Um, thank you very much for everyone here this evening, and I bring greetings from my wife, um, Rachel. She couldn't come here. She has traveled to Limpopo. We actually drove together to Limpopo, and she had to stay to attend to some things that I was supposed to be attending um, in order to come this side, and she sends her greetings. And tonight, I am going to share with us And if I have to title this, I want to expose to us from the scriptures the things that disqualifies us from leadership. And remember, this is equip time where we're being equipped and where we're being prepared for ministry. I've heard people saying, and this worries me so much, that, no, God will never call me. Uh, I'm ready to support and do everything. And, and when I hear a Christian saying that, let me say this to us, friends. I get worried. Who, who is the boss between you and God that you can already tell that he will never call you into ministry? And if it's God, our theology must inform us to say, I'm getting ready for whenever he wants me. I'm yours, Lord. Do what you want with my life. But friends, the truth of the matter is, there are things that disqualifies us from leadership. And think about this. Do you remember when David wanted to build the temple of God? And God said, you cannot build because your hands are too full of blood. You remember that? Think of Saul. God, um, um, Samuel anointed him 
He's king over Israel. And he was given instructions to fight the Amalekites or to go and fight the Amalekites. And he was told, no, Samuel told him, I will come on such a day and such a time. And Samuel, no, uh, Saul waited for Samuel and Samuel did not turn up the time he expected. And what did he do? He overstepped. And what did that do to his kingship? Disqualified. You can continue and read Moses in Numbers chapter 28. Moses is leading the children of Israel. Then they came to a place where the people were thirsty. And at one stage, God said, strike the rock. And he did. Water came out. The second time, God said, Moses, you and your brother Aaron, you call all the people together and you speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? He struck the rock. And what happened? Disqualified even to enter the land of promise. Is that okay? And you can go on in Acts chapter 1 verse 15 to 17. It speaks about Judas Iscariot who was one of the twelve. He sold Jesus for coins and he was disqualified from being one of the apostles. Someone had to come in. And what I am really pursuing here is that, friends, there are things and I want to encourage all of us to say, get your life ready for God to move you when he wants to. And remember, he is our Lord. Let's look at some of those things. I will never finish them, but I will mention those that I can. The first thing is unhealthy ambitions. Unhealthy ambition. Friends, this comes from hierarchical structures that we come from. And this could be from the church backgrounds we grew in. I also have a church background where I was doing everything because I was seen as a future potential president of a huge organization in South Africa. Now, because of that, and including myself, I was delivered from that. I don't see hierarchy in the church, but many people are caught into that and we want to pursue that. And because we are involved in business, we know board of directors and chairperson of the board and this CEO. And, and even when we come to church, 
we want those structures to come so that we can get certain positions. That disqualifies us from leadership. Politics, where there are president and, and SGs and and we even want to import that into church. And friends, can I say, those three things that I mentioned, the outcome results of that is to distort our understanding of a biblical church. So the moment we see the church through the eye of business or through the eye of politics or through the eye of you know, religiosity, we start developing some ambitions which are not lined up with the scriptures. And can I say, friends, in many of those things that I've mentioned, what happens? We develop hidden agendas to support our unhealthy ambitions. We become critical in heart. We criticize everything that is said. And friends, I lived in such a structure where whenever we were to come together, people will start going around and calling for, for secretary position or for presidency or for chairperson. And you will be so amazed how people fight again, you know, over those positions. May God help us. Number two. Now, I think on this one, I have to say we are about to land or to take off. So, fasten your safety belts. But remember, every one of us, those of us who are already in ministry, and remember, ministry, I'm not limiting ministry into this kind of a building. You can be ministry in business. You can be in ministry in teaching. I am in ministry, but I am going around universities and companies and of course churches. I am simply teaching on personal finance and wealth creation. I'm still full time in ministry. Now, the second thing is ingrained prejudices. Oh, you didn't hear that because of my pronunciation. She. Oh, I thought I thought somebody is writing. Prejudices. Prejudice. Yeah, however you say it. But here's the point, friends. Think about this. As a leader, you really need to ask yourself. What is your first reaction when you think of other churches? Mm. The very same, you know, the first thing you think is 
We are the only beholders of the truth. All these other churches. Friends, some of the things that others are doing, we may not be seeing them in the scriptures. Yes, we need to challenge each other. But if we start becoming secretarianism, how do you say it? Secretarianism. When you start thinking that our group is the only group that is going to heaven. By the way, heaven is not owned by NCMI. It's owned by God. When we start seeing people that are wearing ties and jackets and suits, and we go, oh, friends, we need to separate some of the things from the truth. What is our reaction to young people? Oh, these young people are weird. My son is taller than me. You know, this guy, he loves God, but the styles that he wears, it's like, are you still my son? <laughs> he, he has shaved his hair, this side clean shave, and leave the hair on top of the head here, and it's plated, dreadlocks, and they're tied together here. And, and, and sometimes when I go preaching in other churches, I go with him. And I say to him, boy, as long as this is not leading you to anything extra, I'm fine. <laughs> and I tell him, I will never once in my lifetime do the hairstyle you are doing. <laughs> and he looks at me and says, Daddy, I am not, I'm never going to do the hairstyle you are doing. What is our attitude towards the older people? And I think I fall more into that group. Whenever older people say something, you just think, oh, they're finished. Finished. What are you telling me? But friends, listen. We may look finished in your eyes, but... There are things you can learn from our experiences. And there are a lot of things we can learn from you. What about different racial groups? And remember, these things can disqualify you. What about other racial groups? We need to say this, friends. In my PhD studies, I was researching on multiculturalism. Multiculturalism. I often hear people talking about this. Oh, black people are very lazy. These people are lazy. 
So you mean people are lazy by just being born black? So if you're born white, you are not lazy. If that's how we think, we need to deal with that, friends. Because we cannot lead the people of God when we see people and categorize people based on the color of their skin. White people, oh, they're racist. Racist. So what about black people who are racist? Because racism simply means you look at people, you think of what they can and what they can't based on the color of their skin. What about Indians? Mm, let's talk about it. Mm. And, and somebody just come to you, you are a church leader. Oh, I'm making a serious deal. And you know what? Things are happening and that, that. And you mentioned the name. Really? Because in your heart already you are thinking, this, these guys are crooks. <laughs> Friends, listen to this. How many people have crooked each other who are not even Indians by origin? Who are blacks, who are whites, who are colors? That will disqualify you. And you know what? The moment you think of people with this labeling, even if they have so much potential, you will never bring them through on leadership in your church. People with HIV, you only, oh, these people are immoral. Hmm. I have counseled so many people who never lived immoral, you know, immorality. But it came maybe with a partner or someone. And may God help us. Remember, friends, Jesus came to save sinners of which I am one of them. Number three, unconquered character will disqualify us. Anger, temper, unfaithfulness, and many, many others. Can I say, friends, God is not just interested in the work, but more so, he's interested in the worker. Our primary inheritance is the nature of Christ and not just his blessings. We need to deal with our anger. How, you know, some people, when they lose it, they cannot even keep quiet and listen to another person. And it's like, no, you just have to get used to me. No, we can't get used to you. 
If you have the nature of Christ in you, change it. It has to change. And some people are so good in, in, in managing it in church, but at home, it flies up to the ceiling. Can I say, friends, on unconquered character, if we preach transformation to our people, we better be on the process. Because if it can work at home here, never export it. Number four, unhealthy and unhappy marriage. I will not say much about this. Mark spoke a lot about this this afternoon. And thank you, Mark. Well done this morning, but Friends, If you are preparing your life, if you are in ministry, one thing that God looks at is how your marriage is thriving. You cannot be a hero out there and be a great failure at home. I will never forget this one preacher that I used to enjoy so much when I was young and when we were at college and university, he would come around and this man will always say and, and, and he used to talk about love and courtships and, and he will forever be telling us my wife this, my wife that and at some stage students started going but we've never seen this wife he, he talks about his wife and my wife this. And you know what? For me to talk about Rachel in her absence, it's easy. But it's better when I'm talking and she's seated there and you also check on her. How is she responding to my preach? <laughs> I tell you. Because there is no person here who knows me better than Rachel. And number five, lack of vision will disqualify us. Not vision for the local church, but vision for your own personal life. There's a teaching that I do titled, Where Are You Going? Sometimes you need to stop and ask yourself, where is my life leading me to? Number six, unhealthy relationship with money. Unhealthy relationship with money. Or don't you say money or what do you call it? I'm just teasing. But friends, listen. I, I teach on the subject of money. But can I say, friends, there are people who are driven and who will 
lose their family relationship, who will lose their own children for the sake of gaining more money. Friends, money, we need it to serve God. We need it to build our, you know, um, our relationships. We need it to build this church building. But be careful that money does not take over your life. And there is a scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where Jesus says, You cannot serve two masters. Very interesting. According to Jesus, then we say to Jesus, which are the two masters? And Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. Isn't it interesting that Jesus put money at the level of a master? This is his words. Because a master is someone who can take over your life and control you. That's the master. But Jesus was not saying which churches tend to interpret the scripture this way. They, they say, no, I would rather choose to serve God. No, 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 no. Jesus was not saying choose between God and money. You go and read it. Jesus was teaching us how to relate with these two masters, not to choose. Because can you imagine being a solid, strong Christian without money? Yeah, you heard me. You, you need money and you need God. So Jesus was teaching us how to relate and hence he used the word you cannot serve and the word serve, when you go to Matthew chapter 4, you'll find again Jesus says, Go away, no, go away from me, Satan. Serve the Lord your God only. You see, serve the Lord your God only. And in, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, You cannot serve God and money. So, how do we relate with money and God? We relate with God by serving him. The word serve is the same word for worship. But how do we relate with money? We use money. It is the master we use, not serve. So Jesus was saying, worship us, worship God, serve God, and use money. Use money to serve God. Do you get that? The next one, desire to be relevant. Desire to be relevant. In other words, doing unbiblical things to be relevant will disqualify us, friends, because if we lead the church based on opinions or good ideas, we can mislead the church. And this leads the church to what I call syncretism. Wanting to be relevant leads us to 
Syncretism. Syncretism means mixture of beliefs. So we believe in God, but we drag in other things in the church which are not even biblical in order to be relevant to the time or to be relevant to the society. We are called to preach the gospel and the gospel only. The next one, failure to exemplify. Failure to exemplify. Friends, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, he talks about imitating or doing what he has taught. And we need to lead by setting examples. People must look at us and admire what we are doing and read the Bible through our lives. This becomes nothing if we are not living by it. The Constitution of South Africa, it's a living document because it's quoted in court. It's challenging systems. People will say, but according to the Constitution, this does not apply. This must be done. And in the church, this only becomes alive when we leave it. Leaders are called to set examples. Even in finances, I must say this, many churches are battling financially. The problem is not lack of faith, it's lack of generosity especially on the part of the leaders. When the leaders are not exemplifying by being generous, people don't find anyone to imitate. The next one, restricted leadership style. Restricted leadership style. Even before you become a leader, you must check your life, how you do things. Do you build things around yourself? I challenged one of the guys I was mentoring. I would watch him every time we travel, we get to people, and... and, and and it's amazing. He, he just could not even see this. If someone is, is pouring drinks, he will say, can I offer you? And they offer us and we drink. But every time he goes to pour drink, he will pour for himself and drink alone. And I said to him, you need to change this. Learn to offer others. Ask others. 
Would you want water or would you want cool drink? Oh, friends, when you just want things to be done for you, that's restricted leadership style. When you go out for meals or for coffee, don't start looking around during, you know, at the time of, payment, of paying. Offer to pay. Yeah. Some people will start wanting to go to the bathrooms and it's, it's not time to go to bathroom, it's time to pay. And some people forever, they have forgotten their wallets in the car. Can I say, friends, restricted leadership introduces do's and don'ts. You know, even the way we dress ourselves, allow me to say this, you, we must be careful that the way we dress ourselves must not become the dressing code of the church. You see, just hanging my shirt like this, some young people look at me and think, oh, John preaches with... And, and sometimes I tuck my shirt in. Sometimes I wear long, long sleeves. Some, you know, friends, if... You are forever wearing one way and you never say anything about how you are wearing that it is not a uniform, it is not the style that everyone, you know, there's a church and um, you may not know this guy. I was invited to this church in Zimbabwe. He passed on. A great leader. This guy, he will buy suits and take them to the tailor to close the slashes at the back. So his suits were forever um, um, with no slash. And guess what? He died. Now in the church, everyone, I'm telling you, is wearing suits without slashes. And the wife, the wife was wearing Long dresses. And check what? She's also gone. Ladies in the church, they're buying long dresses and long skirts. And I, I don't think he ever taught to say, wear this, don't. But by doing it, which takes us back to the previous point of exemplifying The next one, low view of scriptures. Hmm. You know, this one, it's more challenging because we tend to read books. Nothing wrong with books, I promise you. I challenge you to read. 
But because we read a book and the author has quoted the verse, and these days, you check, when authors are writing, they don't, many of them don't quote verses word for word. They explain and, and people, some people just end up reading the Bible through that way. Start preparing yourself by reading the Bible systematically. Make it part of your discipline. Scripture reading, low view of scriptures is very dangerous. Can I say, friends, the authority of what we do in the church comes from the scriptures. It doesn't come from anywhere, from the scriptures. Because God has given us, you know, I even tell people who prophesy to say, if you don't want to make a mistake, the way to prophesy, read a verse and sit down. Well done, I promise you, you can't go wrong that way. No, I am not against seeing pictures and noise, beautiful, but... The best way, the wait. It's so amazing today that Christians and the churches that I've led, I will challenge the leaders that I was leading with to say, when we come to leaders' meetings, bring your Bible. Because we can't be sitting in the leadership meeting, and we're just arguing and arguing. You check in the book of Acts. They wanted to bring someone in at the space of, of Judas Iscariot, and someone said, this is what the scripture says. This, and you check. It's, you know, they are quoting the book of Psalms. Friends, there are times where what we are discussing, what we are arguing about, we must also reflect in the scriptures to say, what does the Bible say about this? We may not, we may read it and not just do, because some things are recording, or some scriptures are recording things that were done in the Old Testament, but there will be a godly principle we can learn from that. The next one, bad pulpit mannerism. And um, because many of us, especially in our group, never got the opportunity to go to Bible colleges, and I am not for or against, but I tell you, it's, it's good to be prepared, friends, and, and, and to be trained. And when I talk of bad pulpit mannerism, have you ever been to a preacher who is preaching and punctuating almost every sentence with three amen? And Jesus said, hallelujah, amen. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And I am not against amen in your preaching. But friends, you can Every sentence is punctuated by amen. 
Uh, hallelujah. A glory to God. Uh, hallelujah, church. Hallelujah. Uh, can we all say amen, church? <laughs> oh, Gareth. <laughs> Friends, um, we, we, I, I was talking to one friend telling me about, you know, he went to a meeting and someone was preaching and this friend of mine was saying, that guy is going to have a throat problem. Because this guy, whenever he's preaching, he goes, it's like, he's saying, man, I thought you were talking to us. Can, can, can you, you know, friends, I, 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 I was privileged to have, you know, to, to lecture for the University of South Africa. Can you imagine going to the lecture room and I'm lecturing anthropology? <laughs> Even the students are, you know, they will piss up. You know what, friends? I, <laughs> you don't have, and can I say, friends, you don't have to scream to make the point. And anointing cannot be, okay, it is not anointing that causes people to scream. It's mannerisms they have. Friends, pulpit mannerism will disqualify us. <laughs> Are you still with me? When you preach or when you prophesy, even if you are, you are saying what God is saying, you don't have to start crying, otherwise we don't hear you anymore. <laughs> Say the message clearly, or cry first. <laughs> no, because you are laughing at me. I must go to the next point. <laughs> Can I say this, friends? When you are preaching, even the movement of your hands must help to reinforce what you are saying. It's not just getting used to, to be preaching with your hand up every time. God, and then what's happening with this hand up here? Monday morning to Friday at your business, you don't speak with the hands up. And, and we, we're having a meeting and we must start on time. And we Because I'm talking to leaders, let me talk about this. The next one will be lack of preparation. And let me tell you that I, 
I was invited by one church to come and help because I'm not pastoring a church anymore. I'm doing translocal ministry. We are, um, um, you know, the guy, oh, look at this. Was it me raising my hands that I dropped my name tag? <laughs> this is bad mannerism, eh? <laughs> this, this, guy, um, this guy would tell me when I'm preaching and I'll prepare and I'll teach or preach. But this one Sunday, he never phones me. Um, throughout the week and Sunday I went to church and, and he's not at church and we are singing and the time of preaching comes and people are looking at me because I'm there, they expect me to preach. And honestly, I did not prepare. And the wife comes to me and say, are you not going to preach? I said, no, I, I was not told that I'm going to preach. No, 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 no. Even if, just go to the front and read the scripture and say something. No, listen to this. And this is me, I promise you. I said, I'm not. I am not going to fool God's people. I'm not just going to read a verse to make them like I prepare. You know what, friends? How? This is how I prepare. I start my preparations on Tuesday, the Sunday I'm going to preach. I promise you, Tuesday. By Thursday or Friday, I'm done. And I'll prepare, you know, start on Tuesday, read the scriptures that I'm going to, to use, read the scriptures, and, and when I finish that Tuesday and Wednesday, when I'm walking around, I am seeing living examples. I'm seeing things that talks into what I'm doing, how people are acting. And by Friday, I'm done. I love sport. So whatever fun about fun is playing, and I watch sports, and I enjoy my sport. I never sit on one sitting and prepare preaching, and I'm done. My wife actually says to me, even when you go training, you still go on your slides. And I says, I never finish preparing. If you want to be a preacher or if you are a preacher, if you are a leader and you don't prepare, that will disqualify you. Prepare. Don't take people for granted. And the last one, failure to bring challenge. Failure to bring challenge. And I'm not here talking about manipulation. You know what is going on in the church today. I um, was in one church and I was going to preach and um, there was this guy from somewhere and he was asked to go and take the offering. And this guy said, I am not going to take the offering the South African way. I'm like, really? I thought you are taking it the biblical way. He says, I'm going to take it my way. Okay. And then he goes, um... I want everybody to be ready. Who is going to give a thousand rand? Raise your hands. <laughs> and he went from a thousand rand to seven hundred, 
500. And listen to this, and please pray for me. I was holding money in my hand, and I was going to preach that day. I was holding money in my hand to give for offering. When these guys started doing that, I took my money, and I even prayed. I said, Lord, please forgive me if I'm wrong. I took my money, folded it, I put it back in my pocket. I didn't offer. And when I talk of challenge, I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm talking of you bringing challenge on what you were talking about. Challenge people to respond. And by responding here, I'm not talking about them coming to the front or raising their hands. I've got nothing against that, friends, but biblically, I don't see anywhere where Jesus asked people to raise their hands. I'm not saying it's wrong. But have you ever seen it in the scriptures? Jesus saying, now, no, after the sermon on the mount, who wants to... I don't see that. But, of course, we're doing it for ourselves. Not, but, but listen to this, friends. I'm talking of, in your preaching... There must be statements towards the end that causes people to respond to what, not to God, by what we're saying. I'm talking of people being convicted of what you are talking about. I believe that God is calling many of us and God is still going to call many of us to different places of ministry. And here is my challenge. Start preparing yourself. These are just the few pointers that will point to you to say you will, disqual you know, you, you, you will disqualify yourself. Check these things and get yourself ready. And may you live a life that says to God, Lord, I am yours. Anytime, anywhere, and when you say anytime, anywhere, it must be anytime, anywhere. Hello? May the good Lord bless you. Kingdom gives significance to every person on the planet. Kingdom living gives significance to everyday life, life, life. We need big thinkers to stay big, but we need to be involved in the kingdom stuff. You've got to find significance in that, and the kingdom gives you significance.